not forget. You know, it's it's one of those things that's trending uh, on Twitter and on other social media platforms. Never forget. And it's important not to forget because we can't forget the lives of those who died. All those people who lost their lives and the first responders for whom this was their job, who ran right smack into the middle of danger to, to help to help folks and to bring survivors back. There's so many stories surrounding 9-11 that we can't forget. It was a time that captured the imagination of all of us, whether you were at work or whether you were in school or whether you were in middle school, elementary school, whether you were on college campus somewhere, or whether you were on your commute on your way to work. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and I was at home on my couch, and my stepdaughter called me to tell me that I should turn the TV on, and I would not believe what had just happened. And she said, I'm staying on the phone with you until you turn the TV on. And when I turned the TV on, tuned to Good Morning America, which was one of the weirdest things because it was like one of the first times that I didn't have morning TV on. I had just dropped my young, my oldest daughter off at school, at elementary school. She was in like maybe the third grade, I think, second or third grade. And so, or the fourth grade. And I think it, it was just the weirdest thing ever. And to see what was taking place in New York was so shocking. I didn't believe it. It was like many people, it was incredulous to us. So on this day, as we pause uh, to remember 9-11, we're all going to pause at 9-11. Uh, well, 9-11 is gone. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock in the morning. What am I talking about? But as we remember 9-11, which is it's just a sobering reality that we live in a different day and time when uh, these kinds of activities finally got to us here in America. It took many years for it to get to us and it, it just never did, right? So I wanna take time out to commemorate it and I just wanted to uh, honor those who fell that they're not forgotten and to uh, honor the survivors, the first responders who ran into the scene of danger, knowing that there was some kind of danger there, but still persisted anyhow and tried to save as many lives as they could. So shout out to them. It's a testament to the human ability to survive and to see danger say something about your character. You see danger and instead of running away from it, you run in to help. So to all of you who are first responders, wherever you are in the country, wherever you are and you're listening to this broadcast, know that the rest of us are grateful for your years of sacrifice and your bravery and your courage speaks to all of us to remind us that there are good people in the world and that bravery trumps all. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this broadcast today. And I wanted to thank you for listening yesterday. We had a discussion yesterday on suicide prevention. And so today I want to follow up with that to talk about our memories, what's in our database, the memories that are stored there, and how we can control our thoughts. I mean, 
there comes a time when you think that hope is not enough. So we have to go deep and dig deep into our own psyche to recreate a reality that we want to reflect so that we can become who we are destined and designed to be. I'm a firm believer that we are designed to be the greatest. I'm a firm believer that we are designed to be healed and to be whole, not just physically, but mentally. Mental health is equally as important as physical health. Uh, we've seen over the last four decades that after four decades of putting people on antidepressants, people are still depressed. And that depression has now woven its way into our understanding of our human development, that depression also manifests in some physical ailments. The science of it is irrevocable. It's, 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 it's the science of it is undisputed that when you look at some of the physical illnesses and the direct correlation to a physical illness that comes from a mental space, a place in our minds where we did not uh, and did not uh, pay enough attention to what was going on with us mentally. And now we see the physical manifestation. It might be new to us here in the West. It might be new to us as, as, as people in the, who live in the Western world. But it's, I have found that it's not new to folks who live in the Eastern world. That kind of belief system has operated for thousands of years where people believe that you have to be whole physically and mentally, not just physically. Here in the West, we have strived and striven to produce a superhuman who will not get sick, whose body will not break down, and who will not die, that will live in perpetual youth. That's an unachievable and dangerous way to look at the human body because we're organic. We're designed to grow up, flourish, platoon, and then slowly break down to the point of extinction. It's part of the human life cycle. So it is unbelievable and irresponsible to encourage people to think that you can replace death and that you can replace the human body. There are certainly ways to perpetuate life. Uh, you know, I think some people eventually change out their aging organs. If they're very wealthy, you know, they get a younger heart, a younger uh, kidneys and lungs. That just means your time hasn't come yet to die. <laughs> That's all that it means. But it doesn't mean that you can regenerate and reincarnate to come back in a different body. That's your belief. That might be what you are led to think. But the reality is that if you want to, uh, while you're still here, in the body that you were born with and been given, that try to maintain, we should strive to have our bodies working in sync where our minds and our bodies are completely at one and are healthy. So with this in mind, yesterday we talked about suicide prevention. And we now recognize that we need to be more aggressive about suicide and how and people who want to kill themselves. 
we have skirted around the topic. In fact, there was a school of thought once that said that we should skirt around the topic. We should not address it. We should not say that people want to kill themselves. And what we found was that wasn't helping anyone, was it? That did not help anyone. In fact, what we found is that people still went and killed themselves. So what we're finding now is that if someone expresses a desire or expresses in some form or another that they are thinking of killing themselves, we should say, do not do it. Ask the question. Yesterday, we discovered that we should ask, we should question. Are you planning to kill yourself? Then we should persuade, right? Uh, somebody's asking me a question and then we should refer. Do you think R. Kelly is guilty? Heck yes. Yes, I think R. Kelly is guilty. I think his time has come for him to be held accountable for what he did. But I think he got away with it because the people around him wanted to make money off him. He's, he's, he's a victim of his own success because they knew what he was doing and they participated in what he was doing because it suited them, right? There's no solid evidence. How is there no solid evidence when the survivors speak? My ex-husband didn't, when, my ex when the police showed up, my ex-husband denied hitting me. My daughter is there screaming that he hit me. I had no, I didn't always have visible bruises because when the police showed, very rarely did I have a black eye until the next day. But he hit me. So does that mean that he didn't? Why is there no solid evidence? Understand that a person under 17 does not have the free agency and the emotional maturity to make decisions for themselves. Somebody is asking if R. Kelly is guilty. Yeah, he is. Right? The parents, some of the parents are just as guilty as R. Kelly is. Why? Because some of the parents actually uh, participated. They knew what they were doing and they profited. So they sold their children into sexual slavery. So some of the parents are just as guilty. Let me see what else you're saying. You're saying, so we accusing people on he say, she say thou. Is it really he say, she say? If the person is under age and under the age of consent, they can't consent to having sex. It seems he, they're not accusing R. Kelly of having sex with 21 year old women who are claiming after the fact. They are charging him for having sex with minors. The law is very clear. They're not gonna charge him for something they can't prove. They're gonna charge him for something they can't prove. See, once the feds get involved, it's a different game because the feds are not gonna move forward on a case that they can't win. See my point? So they're going to go for the law, right? But what about Ricky Ponting? I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I don't know anything about Ricky Ponting. So you'll have to bring me up to speed. But to get back to what we're talking about, suicide prevention. Uh, we talked about questioning someone, referring them, persuade them not to kill themselves, and certainly refer them. So when you find out who is Ricky Ponting, tell me. Right? So today I want to talk about our memories and how do we control our thoughts. And I wanted to do it in the conscious because someone asked me yesterday, when is hope not enough? 
And I, 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 I chuckled at the thought because I, I said to myself, when is hope not enough? When do you ever give up on hope? Because the minute that you discharge the idea that there's nothing to live for and there is no hope, you've, you've, lost, the, you've lost the battle for your mind. There's this trend on Twitter right now where some guy is saying that throw away all your antidepressant meds. It didn't work for him and he can help you create reality. And people are going buck crazy, literally. But some interesting ideas came out of it. And one of them was, you know, of course, most people are saying you can't just throw your meds away because, and, and to be honest with you, I don't believe you should throw your meds away for mental health. There are people who need meds. There is a, there are hormones that control our thoughts, that control our behavior, that control our perceptions. When those hormones are out of sync, guess what? That's when we go buck wild, right? So the medication is designed to replace and help those hormones when the hormone is not working effectively. So anybody who is on mental health meds, when the, the minute they start telling me that they feel better without their meds is the minute I'm saying, no, 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 you need to take your meds, right? Because you need them to behave, right? So I wanted to talk about, well, when is hope not enough? When is hope not enough? Because I have found that in some of the situations that I, I found myself in, I found that I needed more and more hope. The minute I kept thinking, well, you know, you have to create your own reality. Somebody said, well, if you have a dream, you have to go after it yourself. And if you don't go after your dream, then you won't make it. And I listened to them and I said, mm -hmm, you have some merit there. And they were saying, let me tell you exactly what they're saying. I, I kid you not. People say the weirdest things, right? Uh, people will say anything at any time. I'm going to read this to you because it's true. Somebody said, uh, 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 when is hope not enough? Uh, when, when do you save your life? Uh, uh, you should, uh, you you should create your own reality. And I said, that's coming from a place of privilege. Many people in the world do not have the power to create a reality that exists in their mind. They don't have the power. Somebody who wants to live like a rock star. Is that an easy thing to do? It's not easy for most of the population. It might be easy for some of you. You can go rent a stadium, pay for it. You can go rent the band, take the band and start talking. And you can pay a whole lot of people to show up. You can even pay off some parts of the media to say you're a rock star. But is that a reality that most people can achieve? No. I'm a firm believer that we can and we should control our thoughts. One of the things that happens in behavioral treatment, along with the meds, along with medication, is cognitive behavior. Cognitive behavior is just simply the process by which they teach you how to control your thoughts. Listen to me very carefully. If you do not control what you think, you're going to have a problem. It's just like if you're feeling overwhelmed. Well, he doesn't love me. Well, she doesn't love me. They don't want me at work. 
Well, I don't matter to anybody. Well, just listen to what you're saying. If you don't stop that and control those negative thought patterns, then you're going to find yourself in negativity, surrounded by negativity with negative people. And everything that you see is going to be negative, negative until you finally come to the conclusion that the only thing you can do is kill yourself. Now, the opposite of that is hope. Hope that, okay, so this guy may not like me. Okay, well, someone else will. This girl did not like me, but someone else will. This job did not like me, didn't suit my skills, didn't suit my taste, but this job will do. Do you see what I'm saying? So we've got to control our thoughts. The other thing I want to bring up is control our minds. Ladies and gentlemen, part of the problem with people who are mentally unwell is that they have what I call runaway thoughts. One thought just seduced into the other, into the other. And before you know it, this one negative thought has mushroomed into this big mushroom cloud of negative thoughts and everybody and everything is just coming at them. You have to control your mind, right? You also have to control and de-escalate. You have to de-escalate, say de-escalate. Anybody knows how to do that? One of the things that happens is when something bad happens, there's a thing called anxiety. Anybody knows what anxiety is or familiar with anxiety? We all have been exposed to anxiety. We all have a little issue here or there with anxiety where we become anxious about something. And what happens is when we become anxious about it is guess what? The primary root cause of anxiety is what? Guess what? Lack of control. You have no control over the outcome of the situation so you become anxious about it the greater you the need for that situation to go your way is the greater your desire to control the outcome the more you recognize that you don't have the power over the outcome or control over the outcome is the more you become anxious about it and your anxiety continues and builds and builds then you start attaching everything else to this thing let's say that you just graduated from college and you need a job and if you don't get a job, you can't work. And if you don't work, you can't, won't get paid. And if you won't get paid, you can't move out of your parents' house. You can't move into the next thing. Nobody will want you. You see how it starts? Nobody's going to find you attractive because you don't work. You don't have income. You see how one negative thought spins into the other? That is what we refer to as a cotton. So now that is what you need to control that thought. You have to learn to put things into context. And so many times we place unrealistic, unachievable expectations on ourselves. And when the deadline passes, that's why you have to be careful about deadlines. If you're going to set a deadline to something, set it to something that you at least have a control over. If you have a project to do, set a deadline to it. That's something you have the power to control. But if you tell yourself, I must get a job by the 15th of September, do you have control over that? No. So what you've done is place an unrealistic, unachievable expectation on an outcome you have no control over and created an anxiety about it that is now spiraled into negative thoughts. You've got to control your thoughts. And now is the time when you are going to turn around and say to me that hope is not enough. But guess what? You're not looking contextually. You have created an alternate reality 
that does not even exist. You're going to tell yourself that you must have a job by September 15th, but you don't have any control over that. You don't have any control. Do you understand what I'm saying? So all these people are pontificating and postulating and nobody is looking at the true facts. The fact of the matter is you really don't have any control over how someone feels about you. As much as you think you are, you could be the greatest thing ever. You don't have any control over how someone feels about you. So what are you going to do? Cry and kill yourself when they reject you? No, because you don't have any control. So that's placing an unrealistic expectation on an outcome that you have no control over. Do you have any control over when you die? No. Do you? You really think you do because you're going to kill yourself. That's you choosing to do something negative to yourself. Why is it negative? Because it does not solve the issue. When you die, the situations that made you feel like you should kill yourself, they still exist. You're just not there to deal with them. And if that is your reality and that is what you're saying to yourself, then you need help. We need to bring you back. We need to control your thoughts and go back to the root cause and excavate the situation that caused you to think like that in the first place. I find that when I start talking to people like this, people suddenly just back up because now they begin to realize that, oh my God, I thought about this. I did this to myself and I don't want to talk about this anymore. Why? Because now you're confronted with this version of yourself. You now see that it was ridiculous of you to have thought this negative way before. A lot of us go on social media and you get into these online portals that dispense advice and they tell you all kinds of crazy stuff. And they also give you a false sense of expectation as well. They tell you that you should be, by the time you're 25, you should do this. By the time you're 30, you should do this. By the time you're 35. And they don't take into consideration your own perspective and your own unique situation. So here you are telling yourself that, I should be this, I should be that. I, and if it doesn't happen, then you're a loser. And if it doesn't happen, then something is wrong with you. And so you sit there imbibing all that negativity. And before you know it, you can't even rise up out of it yourself. Incredible. The mind, listen to me very carefully. The body goes where the mind goes. So if you start telling yourself that nobody wants you before long, you're going to be sitting in your couch, stuffing your face and eating so much that you will not even want yourself. Before long, you start giving up on yourself. You stop taking care of yourself. Listen, every morning when you get up and look in the mirror, you ought to smile with yourself. And if you're standing before your mirror criticizing slicing up. And we all do that because, you know, it's self-evaluation and a certain amount of self-evaluation is necessary for the maintenance of your healthy self-esteem. But when you start segmenting parts of your body based on someone else's criteria, then you've got to start thinking, is this about me or about them? But you have to start thinking, is this healthy for me as well? Having a healthy sense of self. That doesn't mean that it's excusable for you to go out and eat and stuff your face because you're going to have a problem later on. Trust me, it's going to add up. It may not add up now, but it will add up later on and you're going to regret it, right? But at the, by the same token, you should also have an, a healthy ounce of self-containment 
self-respect and appreciation and have a healthy expectation of yourself. Hey, right? Of what you want to overcome. Listen, if you don't control your mind, then who is? That's a question I want to ask. Do you really want to give up control of your mind to someone else? Or hello? Or do you want to give up control of your mind to you? You have to control your thoughts. The minute a negative thought comes, rebuke it and set it down. What's a negative thought? A thought that tells you everything is hopeless. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much, right? A negative thought is something that comes to tell you that everything is hopeless. A negative thought is one of those that tell you you don't need your meds for mental health. Don't listen to that one. Do I like ice cream? Yeah, right? Do you see what I mean? A negative thought is one that tells you you will never get through this, you will never overcome. A negative thought is the one that sends you to sit in a closet and hide because you think you're not pretty, you're not slim, you're not beautiful enough. And Have you ever watched My 600 Pound Life? You know how she got there? A negative thought. Can't even come out of the house. Years ago when I worked in healthcare, uh, the nurses went out to, you know, we had a home visiting service, a community-based healthcare agency. And the nurse went out to visit with a patient who was young. She was still married, she had young children. She hadn't come out of her apartment in four years. She weighed over 400 pounds. Her skin fell off like scales. Certain parts of her body had not been washed. They had to lift her, two people had to lift her leg to get to her private part. And she still had periods and still went to the bathroom and stuff like that. She had never, she hadn't come out. It all started with a negative thought. She just sat there and ate herself into oblivion. She fell into what we call depression. Mind-blowing, isn't it? Your mind controls your body and controls you. You've got to get control of your mind. You have to control the thoughts that come to your mind. If it's the, some of these folks who are crazy, have you ever seen their mugshots? I mean, they go kill people, and then when you take the mugshot, they look as if they're spaced out. Yeah, they are. Something happened to them. Their mind just lost control, right? And it is not a good thing to. It, 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 if we don't control our mind, and if we don't control our thoughts, how else then are you going to be able to make it? So I'm saying to you uh, today, we're about to uh, wrap up on one of these platforms, right? I'm saying to you today that you need, we all do, we have to sit down and have this frank conversation with ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, how much in control am I? Does it matter how much control I have? Because for some of us, it matters. If you start examining where that seed of control comes from, it's going to take you to a place where something had happened where you felt powerless. This is why you have to go to therapy. This is why cognitive behavior helps. It's not reenacting the trauma. That's a whole other segment to it. It's simply identifying how you felt about what happened to you and dealing with it. You can't just take your meds and throw them away. 
the meds are helping your hormones recover until you are able to control your mind. I kid you not, where the mind goes, the body follows. Be very careful what you think about yourself. Be very careful. Watch your thoughts. Your thoughts are important because your body will do what your mind tells it to do. Be very careful about what you think about yourself. It's important because how you think about yourself frames you and frames your world and your perception of the world that you live in. Control your thoughts and you control your life. This is Down to Earth with Harry Kamek. Join us again and we will talk some more about this.